again. Um, we were here, I don't remember for sure. I can't keep track of time, but we were here once before. Or two weeks running before. Okay, that time you voted me in apparently, so we got to come here twice. But, but welcome and thank you for being here today. Uh, we're excited. And so I just kind of, I kind of wanted to start out this morning just by getting our focus or just talk about something, just maybe kind of get our heads geared in the right direction. And so there's a, I'm kind of getting a little feedback going on. Sorry about that. My, my ears are ringing, maybe. But there's a, there's a phrase that's well known to all of you, I'm sure, and, and it's everybody hears it now and then. And I wanted, to think, wanted you to think about it, how it applies to you personally and specifically today. And it's the phrase of being born again. You've all heard that. If you've ever read John chapter 3, uh, you know you've heard that phrase, and it's born again. Are you born again? Uh, it, it's in John chapter 3, as I said. You know John chapter 3. Uh, in the 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever shall believe in him will have eternal life, will never perish. The deal is done. But prior to that, it says, Jesus said, he's talking to the, the uh, Pharisee Nicodemus, and says, you must be born again. If you are not born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. That was the words of God as he stood on this planet. And so I'm sure you've heard that. I'm sure you know the phrase, and I pray that you all understand that and have experienced that in your life. Uh, but, you know, sometimes even though we know the importance of things, of phrases, and the importance of the meaning of phrases, we sometimes get it, they sometimes get relegated to the back burner just because of life. Uh, the busyness of life, the concerns of life, the importance of the immediate matters that we need to take care of, and pretty soon uh, um, we're not born-again believers, even though we are, but in our minds, we're, we're something, um, we're, we're, we're farmers and ranchers and mothers and fathers and grandparents and, and workers all over, and we, we have those things almost as if um, being a born-again believer is just part of our identity. But that isn't what God says at all, because the born-again believers, the fact that we are children of God, the royal priesthood, that is not just part of identity, that is everything that we are. And that understanding of being born-again believers emanates from everything that we, that we are, wherever we're at, whatever we do. And so what does that word mean, that phrase, born-again believer? I'll tell you, there was a time in my life when that phrase, if anybody asked me that, it, it almost upset me. Isn't that a funny thing to say now? But there was a time when I would, I would, somebody would say, well, are, are you born again? Because I, was very, I thought I was very religious. And I was, probably in a lot of ways, and, and maybe compared to other people. But they would say, are you born again? And I didn't like that, because what it was, was I saw it as an indictment against uh, my, how I was doing on my walk, or my uh, supposed religiosity. Because I was a small C Christian, not a capital C Christian. I thought it was about what I was accomplishing and what I was doing and what I was getting done and, and what I misunderstood was when people said that was I thought they were saying that I was basically not cutting the mustard. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't good enough. <laughs> but now on this side of truly being born again, I understand that because the fact of the matter is I wasn't strong enough and I wasn't good enough. 
and I had no capability of ever possibly working hard enough or being kind or good or benevolent enough at all to earn God's favor. As John chapter 3 born-again believers, we understand that that point that we aren't strong enough is exactly the point. We know that it is impossible to be acceptable before God apart from God's justification based solely on the cross. So what we hear from that is that God did all the work. When we are coming to the cross in forgiveness and repentance, God accepts us, and then we have the Holy Spirit in our life, and the Holy Spirit makes everything that Jesus accomplished for us possible. He puts everything into motion, and from that point forward, we're walking through this life, still God's work, becoming more and more like Jesus. More than that, thankfully, even more than that in this life, the empty tomb that once again that Jesus, that God himself accomplished for us, allows us eternal life, where we'll be with Jesus forever. So if you heard what I was talking there, it's like we're saved because of God's work, we're indwelled in this life, and we progress in a sanctified way in this life because of God, and then we have eternal life because of God. And so when we ask that question about what does it mean in your life to be a born and begin believer, and how does that reflect in our life? The question we'd have to turn to then is how should we respond to the understanding and the fact that God has done absolutely everything necessary to bring us home, to the, just like the songs we were just singing. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. And someday, we'll be standing in front of him all because of his work, and so how should we respond? We have a focus scripture that I brought with us today, and, and it's, uh, it's from Hebrews 11.4, and we were reading this in our devotion not too long ago, and it just kind of caught me off guard, because uh, I'm sure that I've read it many, many times, but it just says, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And so if we apply that to what we're trying to kind of get to today, this understanding of how should we respond to all of God's work in our life, well, here, here we have an old, old, old story. You know who Cain and Abel were, right? They were second-generation second humans. <laughs> Prior to that, there was none. And so this is an old, old story, but yet it goes on. His, by faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. And so in our walk, in our life, in, our, in the emanation of being born again, in our appreciation, in our, in our debt, really, of all that God has done for us, how could we get ourselves focused on this, that our faith, as we walk through all of life, is approved and applauded? That we make God smile? with everything that we do, it's kind of an overwhelming idea that God does all of these things and because of his faith, it still speaks to him today. And so God saves us, God purifies us, God brings us into eternal life and so today that's what I'd like to do is focus on what is the proper response. And the way that I'd like to do that is if we kind of back up to who we were. If you have a pre, uh, a BC, before Christ in your life, 
as I, many people in here do, if not all of you. A time that you're walking with Christ right now. And then what Christ has planned for us in the future. So who we were, who we are, and who we are meant to be. Because if we think about it, instead of just putting that, it's like, yes, I'm a born-again believer, and, 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 I'm, a, and I'm a grandpa, and, and all these other type of things. It's like, I, I am a born-again believer who happens to be a grandpa. And because of that, my grandchildren know who Jesus Christ is. I, I'm, a, I'm a husband, but more than that, I'm a born-again believer, and I treat Angie exactly how God desires for me to do out of the scriptures. And she does consequently as back as well. First and foremost, we are believers. And so let's pray just a real quick, and then we'll get to our scripture, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. Dear God in heaven, I, I thank you for this opportunity to be with the good folks in Miller. And I just pray that your hand is on this entire service, that your words are, 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 are spoken here and understood in all of our hearts, whether the speaker or the listeners, God. You are powerful and you are beautiful. Let us praise you and let us worship you at this very moment. In Christ's name, amen. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to be Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm just going to go ahead and just read all 10, 10 verses that we're going to be covering today. And then we'll back up and we'll just look at each one of those, or a few of them at least. Here's what it says in chapter 2, verse number 1. The Word of God says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature's ob nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And we'll mark this for the end of the message today. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have a, a first slide up here that's coming up, who we were. It's an interesting thing. It says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, dead, right? And, and so there was no opportunity that we had other than God coming into our lives and, and the miracle it is that he raises us from what he says himself we were spiritually dead. We were breathing, we were walking, we had our five senses, we had all those things going on, but spiritually we were dead. We had stepped away from God because of a sin in our lives. One that started back there with, Adam, with uh, Cain and Abel's folks, and it just went right down through the centuries to us today. Because of that, we're all born with a natural inclination to just love sin who we were, dead, with no opportunity. And so I, I tell you know, I, I, it's kind of like, how do we get our minds wrapped around that? I had an interesting thing happen to me this year. Does, has anybody got a willow tree in their yard? 
No willow trees, that's because you guys are probably wiser than me and my tree choices. Okay, so we have this willow tree because we've got a, a different place and we were used to having a lot of trees. And this place had no trees, it had grass. And so the, the people down at the nursery said, well, the fastest tree you can get, the growing tree you can get is a willow, so buy that. And sure enough, we did. And the thing is just growing like a weed, it truly is. It's just amazing, it's three years old and I'll bet it's 18 feet tall, unbelievable. But anyhow, so in the, it grows so fast that in the summer there's all, so much sap running through the tree that you have to trim off the lower limbs if you want to keep it up all through the grass. You have to do it in the winter. And so about January this year, I went out and I sawed off the bottom limbs, about four of them, and they were probably about two inches in diameter, I suppose, something like that. I sawed them off and then I cut them in chunks in order to get them in my leaf barrel so they would pick them up sometime in the spring. So this is the dead of winter, the tree has no leaves, nothing's going on there, I cut it off, no sap runs out because the tree is dormant. I cut it in sticks like this, throw it in my, my uh, uh, barrel. Well, it started warming up like about two or three months later than that, and I have ground squirrels, and Angie mentioned that this morning. We have ground squirrels at our house, and so they, the darn things came back again, and sure enough, here I'm walking out of the garage, and here's a hole right in the ground. The ground squirrels have come back, and so I thought, I've got the perfect thing. It's about a two inch diameter of ground squirrel. So I went over the leaf barrel, the stick at the bottom there had been laying in that thing for two or three months now. I pull it out and I, I stick it in that hole and I hammer it in the hole thinking at least it's temporary, I'll keep that, that darn little squirrel up from digging holes in my yard, right? So then it continued to warm up and then pull that slide up in. I don't know if you can see that or not, but I, do you see, I walk out of the garage a couple months later and it's growing. I couldn't have, I could, can you believe that? It was a stick for two months in the trash can. I pull it out, hammer it even, and it starts growing. And I thought, man, that's gotta be some sort of a sermon illustration, doesn't it? That's Ephesians chapter two, isn't it? Because we're just like that stick. We, have been, we were severed from the life source of God, right? By our sin. We were living in the trash can. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. There was no chance, no possibility that stick was going to crawl out of the trash can until an external force, me, reached in, grabbed it out of there, and it still wasn't going to live until an external force put it in some soil where it would grow and live. Now, I don't know if this is an exact representation of what happened in my life and yours when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, but it sure isn't too far off, right? That stick was dead, and it was going to the dump, <laughs> right? But I reached in there, and I grabbed it. So I'm from Nebraska. You know what I did? Show the next slide, Ange. I planted it. <laughs> and, and look at that. Is that something or what? And that's like, this isn't even the most recent spot. It's about this tall now. This is a great story. But not as good as the story as when Christ came in my life. And if you were a born again believer in your life, because you were dead at the bottom of the trash barrel, and God, who is rich in mercy, reached in, pulled us out of there, stuck us in a place where we can grow where we can live, where in a couple of months we'll be this tall, 
there's a future. And there's a promise. We'll go to the next slide. But God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. All of us were there at one time, but God. But God, that's the whole point of all of life, the born-again believer status that we carry. But God, I did nothing. I was there. He reached in, the muck and the mire, pulled me out of there, hammered me into Kearney, Nebraska, and says, I've got a plan for you. And so you're wondering, what the heck have I got a tombstone up here for? Well, because if the fact of the matter is, okay, this isn't really our stone. This is the stone we're, we're going to save up our money for someday, right? So I've got to hold on for a, about 20 more years so we can have the stone of our dreams. Right, Ann? What this should say is December 7th, 1957, and then put an asterisk right behind that day and say March 8th, 1999. Because that was the day the butt God pulled me out of a trash can and said, I've got a plan for you. Isn't that amazing? Because prior to that, in all intents or purposes of all things important, I didn't even have life. I walked, I talked, I breathed, I ate, I did all those kind of things. But it wasn't until I was but God, born again, that he was rich in his mercy, came into my life, and then I was spiritually reborn. This isn't all about me. <laughs> but I'm the only reference point I have because I know what God has done and desires to do in my life. And so the question is, do you have a but God moment? It doesn't have to be March 8th. It can be a, a period of years. But the question is, is there a time when you recognize that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? It's born again. And if we back up, we, Jesus said that you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. It's not just a question that some guy visiting from Carney comes up and asks. It's the, the question that Jesus Christ himself posed and explained to a man named Nicodemus 2,000 years ago. But it's still the same old, old story that is the difference between life and death. There's a, another part of this, though. Go to the next slide. On your bulletin insert, I forgot to tell you, there's fill in the blanks. See, I don't know. Everybody learns a little bit different if you're fill in the blank kind of people than you have the opportunity to do. There's two, there's two different ones. Um, um, made us alive in Christ, you are saved by grace. But I lumped them together because the fact of the matter is the moment that we are made alive by Christ, the moment that but God pulls us out of that trash can and hammers us into the dirt, we start growing our leaves, but it says, you are saved by grace, not if, 
but you are saved. If you're on the side of the dash with the asterisk that said, born again, we are saved. We are exonerated, we are forgiven, we are justified before God by the cross and the cross alone. There, there's no addendum to that. The work of our salvation is complete. And so sometimes well, the reason I'm bringing this up is sometimes we get this kind of all convoluted up and it's like, well, okay, so the scripture right before it says, by works, no chance. By God's grace and mercy, 100% chance. And so if I'm saved, if I'm exonerated, if I'm completely justified before, the, before God because of the cross, then what more is there for me to do? The answer would be because how should we respond to a God who loves us so much that he leaves his throne, comes to earth, is tortured and despised for every single man, woman, and child in this room? How do we respond to such a thing? I think, uh, again, we can turn to Scripture, and, and, and it's a little bit more recent. It's the Apostle Paul. This is how Paul describes his own understanding. You know the story of Paul, right? Paul had a date when on, he was walking down the road and going to Damascus to, to again persecute the believers and the Christians, and God came into his life. And so Paul was just like my story. He was the, at the bottom of... Uh, of a refuse barrel, carrying on his work, he was living, he was breathing, or I should say he was breathing, he was eating. He thought he was being a really religious guy. But God, but God dropped him to his knees on the road to Damascus and everything changed. Not just for him, but for me and for you. Because Paul wrote Mo, uh, many, uh, you know, the majority of the New Testament. And so what we know about being believers and how to walk came from his words, through the, his pen through the word of God. And so this understanding of how should we respond to such a, a miracle in God in our lives, this is what Paul says. Whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor to me. There, there's his but God story, right? But God. I was nothing, but what I am now is because of God. But it's not without result. Paul didn't say, thank you, God, I'm going to go about my business, and now I'm going to raise my family, and things are going to turn out good for me. He says, but not without result. Because now, how do I respond to such a miracle? I'm working harder than any of the other apostles. But then he goes, but wait a minute, let's keep this clear. It's not my work. It's not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. And so this clearly Paul is saying that because of what Christ did for him, what he accomplished for on the cross, his response is going to be every day, every moment, doing what is best not to waste the amazing grace that dropped him to his knees on the way to, to Damascus. Do you have a date? Do you have a road to Damascus? of your own, that you were carrying on in your life. You might have thought you were really religious like I did at one time. But God says, you're missing the point. 
because you must be born again. And if you are born again, the overwhelming love and mercy and grace of God will most certainly show up in your life as, as fruit. Where that is for each and every one of us depends on where God hammered us into the gopher hole, right? It matters where we are and it, the work that we'll do, the accomplishments, the environment, the people that we're exposed to, yes, yes. But each and every one of us are supposed to be put in a pot by God and start to flower. Our next slide says this, who we are meant to be. That final verse of our scripture reading today, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Does that kind of overwhelm you? If you I hope you fill in that, those blanks on your bulletin. We're his workmanship. We can go back to the Old Testament and find where the scriptures tell us that God knit us together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he did that for a specific purpose. Not so we can just go along in our lives and just say, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm saved. Life is good. But then he says we were created in Christ Jesus because we were dead prior to that for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the initial question is how do we respond then? How do each and every one of us in this room respond to the understanding that apart from God, we would have been still in the, in the bottom of that barrel? We still would be dead in our trespasses and sin. We still would have no opportunity for life, no future, no growth. We would have just muddled through this life, and death would have meant death. What's the proper response? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about what we started out and said, what does it mean to me to be born again? Has the word of God progressed your mind, your thinking to say, okay, so how does that show up in my life and what is my response right this very moment? Because it's easy to say and understand what born again belief uh, means. But if we have re relegated it to our, the corner or a box or a part of our life and it's not front and, front and center, then maybe today is the day that we need to renegotiate that in our thinking and get it back to where it properly should be. And it's an all-consuming fire. Angie and I believe that the way that we do that is keeping things, how we keep things in an intentional way in our lives is to by setting goals. Because if we have a clear, uh, clear uh, um, game plan, if we understand where we are, why we're doing things, our purposes, and all those kind of things, then we can progress then to achieving goals in our lives. We have this uh, uh, slide, I think, and is the next one here. Okay, dare goals. There's a, uh, the, we, did we go to the focus scripture already, huh? Okay, all right, let's back up, sorry. I lost, sorry, folks. Go, no, go back to the dare goals, honey, all right. Sorry, folks. 
I'd vote no for next week. <laughs> we can't have that. So at Barnabas Bridge, what we, we, we have this understanding, this acronym of DARE goals. And so that we, 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 we talk about these all the time. And so what it is, it's an, it is define in detail um, basically, what is the goal that you want to accomplish? Define in detail what's the motivating factor. Um, accessible progress. Um, how will you be, if you're doing this goal, how will you know that you are making progress in your life? Realistic outcomes. You know, we can set a goal to be a multi, uh, you know, I can set a goal on having that tombstone, but chances are I'm not so sure it's going to happen. That, we need to make our goals realistic. What are we, end results? The E stands for end results. Um, what's the purpose? What are we trying to get there for? And then the deadline. And if we say, yeah, someday I'm going to be a, a, a better believer or, or, or I'm going to emulate Christ a little bit more, that isn't God's game plan. God wants to know, let's, by the end of this service, how are you going to progress in your walk? Does that sound unreasonable? It isn't if we understand that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. If we are born again, that is an absolute fact. Remember, the Holy Spirit is who indwells us to make possible everything that God, that Jesus won for us in this life. Everything that Jesus made possible in this life, the Holy Spirit indwells born-again believers to bring to fruition. And so the deadline is in the next five minutes, I want God to change me even closer to who Jesus is. And so we have our, our, our focus scripture, or excuse me, our goal-setting scripture then that uses these exact dare goals. So if you, if you have this Romans 12 one, it's in your bottom of your bulletin insert. Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So our question that has been repeated through the message this morning that I've been trying to remember myself is how on earth do we respond to a loving God who brought me to life? <laughs> who gave me everything that I have. Everything that I am. But not just in this life. For all eternity. There's just no chance this could have happened if Christ himself was not hanging on the cross and he had a born-on date for me. 2,000 years ago, he's hanging on the cross and he says, on March 8, 1999, Roger McDermott, of all people, is going to get plucked out of the trash can and hammered into some dirt, and 20 years later, he's going to be standing in front of the people of the good folks in Miller, Nebraska. Impossible story. How do you respond to that? Define in detail. We set a goal because I want to be worthy of God's goodness in my life. So how do we do that? Why do we do that? What's the motivating factor of our goals? In view of God's mercy, obviously, right? He didn't have to do what he did. He should have wrote the eviction notice to, to, me, to me from the very beginning. Perhaps you too. 
Maybe you're religious. Maybe you're a good person. Just like Nicodemus. And Jesus said, but there's more. You must be born again. And I brought the answer and the solution. We're setting a goal. That's our motivating factor is in view of God's mercy, our accessible progress. How do we know that we're making uh, progress in, in our goals and our understanding of what is, a, what is our response to a God's work in our life? Well, my life, is a, am I a living sacrifice? Is that just a temporary thing? Is it a box? Is it a part of me? It's everything. God requires all of us. The accessible progress is to find out one morning or one day or, or through the progress of a month or years that, it, you know, I used to look at my life like this. I, everything used to be to this month's or this year's crops. We have to pay our bills. We need those things. But you're not a farmer. You're a born-again believer who happens to farm. And God will provide, even in this season. Even in this season. And other people see that in our walk. The realistic outcome of what we're hoping to do with our goal that we're setting, which is all from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I hope in every way that God's sacrifice I prove worthy. And I hope you say the same thing. He looks into my life and, and, and just like the Hebrews that we wrote, that we read about the two brothers on the, just on the outside of the garden. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. The end result, what we're hoping to find is that our my life, your life, all believers' life is a true act of worship in everything that we do. And the deadline, eternity. From the moment that God walks into our lives, pulls us out of the death that we for surely had, he desires us to continue to walk through him, and it won't just be this life, but it'll be all eternity. Amen? God is good. God is faithful. God is loving. He's present. And the question is, what is my response to that? I thank you folks for allowing us to be here. I, I, I think that uh, we were told that the Burr Oak Roads are soft. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think that that's what we have to, we're going to do is head out. But thank you so much.